Okay. All right, good morning, everyone. Morning. My name is Steve, <laughs> just in case you didn't, didn't realise. <laughs> I am Steve. Uh, I've been called loads of, a lot worse stuff than, than that. But, um, morning, morning, everyone. Morning. Um, I want to just take a few minutes to talk about the resurrection and about the resurrection power. Uh, Viv and I, we haven't been taking notes, we haven't sort of swapped notes, but what, what Viv shared earlier about the power that we have as believers and the resurrection power. Trying to get out. Not just yet. Not just yet. Lock it in. Lock him in. <laughs> Keep him in. Uh, it's been an interesting few days. I, uh, Good Friday is, is tinged with reflective sadness. And as we remember the power of the cross, there is something, the, the weight of... It's, it's troubling and confusing. The, the power that Jesus displayed on the cross. And he, he took... Every, everyone's sin, everyone's shame, everyone's guilt, everything that we've done, every thought, action, word, uh, energy that we put behind uh, things that we've done. He, he's taken that on himself. And so as we reflect on, on Good Friday, there is this sadness. And, and yesterday, it's this in-between day where we've got the sadness of the Friday, but then... The joy of Sunday, and today is joyful, and yesterday it's this kind of transition time. Of, are we happy? Are we sad? And, uh, but Easter Sunday, <coughs> I, I think this sermon should be preached every week. I think the resurrection power of Jesus should be taught in every church throughout the world every single Sunday. Uh, because this is the crux of what we believe as, as Christians, and and the power that, that Jesus displayed. So I'm going to attempt to do, do it justice. I'm going to attempt to talk about the resurrection power. Um, but can we pray? Okay. So Jesus, bless these amazing bunch of people that you brought here today. Uh, and wherever the other remnant are, God, whether they're skiing or at a conference or visiting family and friends, we bless them also. And I thank you. I thank you for today. I thank you for the day of all days that Jesus, you displayed your, your raw power through the resurrection. Amen. Amen. Uh, so we've got good news. We've, we've got really, really good news that, that Jesus has risen from the grave. Uh, do you know that Christianity, despite what everyone's saying, as a, as a faith, it's increasing. It's not declining. The, the religious belief in Jesus is increasing. There are more people becoming Christians than the birth rate. There are more people deciding to follow Jesus than there are people being born. Um, I remember there was that, that charity campaign where it's the click every three seconds. And uh, it's like that. During my talk, there's going to be thousands of people who take that step and decide to, to follow Jesus, decide to say, I give up. Jesus, you are my Lord. Uh, and so during this talk, all across the world, thousands and thousands and thousands of people will, will decide to follow Jesus in, in the next... Can I, can I attempt to say 20 minutes? <laughs> can, I attempt to, can I attempt to say that? 
and then we'll see what will happen. Um, so I want, I want to speak quite plainly this morning, and as pos- plainly as I possibly can. We live in a day where religion and religious belief is, is almost looked upon, particularly in, in where we are in, in London, either as a matter of preference or taste or feeling, or, and belief is looked at as, as sort of, well, aren't all religions fundamentally the same? Don't they all believe in the same God? It's just different ways of getting there. Um, just choose one, and whatever works for you is, is the best one. Just choose one, it doesn't really matter. And along the way, we avoid the truth. And truth is actually completely ignored. Uh, and I, I think it's a huge mistake to, for people to say, yeah, just choose one, it's fine. Um, and this idea, I mean, you probably all heard this before, something maybe, you might believe that, but with due respect, I don't. Or, you might believe that, but I, I, that's something for you, that's not something for me. And truth becomes a feeling rather than uh, facts. Uh, and one thing that I'm noticing is that our feelings are dictating our lives. Uh, I was talking with someone this week, and I was, I was giving him this analogy of, it's like if you, your journey and your life is a bit like stand, sitting in a car, and you've got all of these indicators which determine some, some factual things that are going on. But our feelings, is like the rev counter. And all we're doing is looking at the rev counter to de- determine what state we're in, or de- determining these are the facts. But actually, the rev counter is the worst thing to look at if you're driving along on the car. You want to be looking ahead, ahead of you. You want to be looking at the fuel. Have you got enough fuel? You want to be looking at the speed. You want to be looking at all kinds of, have you got enough oil? The rev counter is the worst thing. But what I'm noticing, and particularly in, in London, particularly in the UK, particularly in this, I'm going to say our generation. <laughs> I have got our generation, collectively. Uh, feelings become the priority way that we determine our, our life and determine our beliefs. I feel like that. I feel this and that. It's a bit like I go to a bank, the Barclays Bank, we went to Barclays Bank on, on Friday. Uh, and it's a bit like going into Bar- the Barclays Bank and saying, I'd like to withdraw some money. And the cashier looking at you and saying, um, well, I don't feel like you've got any money in your account. Um, you go back and say, I don't care. I don't care what you're feeling. Um, I know I have money in my account. Give me, give me the money. And the cashier, at this point, should turn around to you and say, or he'll turn around to you and say, well, with all due respect, sir, I, I feel like that's not the case. So I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give you money. Uh, would, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? I know I've got money in my bank account. I don't care what whether you feel that or not, I know I've got, I've got this money in my account. Uh, and this is one of uh, countless examples in our lives where, where we operate based on our feelings rather than truth. And this is the same for this ultimate question. Did Jesus actually rise from the dead? And for, for lots of people, they base that answer on their feelings. They base that, without the scientific evidence, without the factual evidence, I say, well, uh, 
I don't know. I feel like he didn't. Uh, and it's a bit like the, a flavour of ice cream. My favourite ice cream is mint chocolate chip. Uh, I, I go, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I, that's my favourite ice cream. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Uh, choose one. Uh, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I, I like mint chocolate chip, you might like strawberry. It's a bit like that. But this question is the ultimate question. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Um, and, and again, let's, let's think about it. What I'm not talking about is a resuscitation or a reincarnation. I'm not talking about did Jesus, was he die, did he die for 30 seconds? I'm talking about three days stinking dead. He, he, the accounts were that he rose from being three days dead. The tombstone was sealed and there were guards around it. And yet suddenly he, there was no one there. And this idea of the Friday to the Sunday, this Saturday period is, where is he? Where is he? Is he really dead? And the disciples, they flee and they scattered. And, uh, what I found interesting is that who did Jesus first appear to? Women. I, I found that quite interesting. Who were, the, who were the last people to, to see Jesus as he died? Women. It's, even the disciples, the, the guys, they didn't believe. But the women believed first. They were the first ones who believed. And it was, it was, it was God who chose a woman for his son to be, to, to use, Mary, to be used. It was a woman. And so in this day of, sort of uh, can women be in leadership? Does Jesus want women to be in leadership. You just look at the scriptures. Come on. It was women he, cho he chose. So we can't, it's women. It's women that saw Jesus first when he was resurrected. It was, it was women that first came to the disciples and said, he's alive. He's not there. He's not there. He's disappeared. He's risen. And so that, I find that interesting. I just, as a question, I just find that interesting. That's not in my notes. That's differing. <laughs> um, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then what we're doing this morning is worthless. It's a waste of time. We might have nice coffee, we might have nice almond croissants, there's only left. But we might as well sleep in. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we might as well just give up. Uh, and so this question, did Jesus rise from the dead, is, is the ultimate question. Even in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that... Uh, uh, if Jesus didn't rise from again, the Christians would be, are to be pitied among men and women. We're to, we're to feel sorry for Christians if the resurrection isn't true. Uh, however, J Jesus did rise from the dead. And if he did rise from the dead, then there's these eternal implications for us. So did it happen? So on, on Friday, we had a sort of a reflective, meditative uh, time at Restore, our base in Ballon. And then we went out in the streets, we gave some Easter eggs away, we gave some business cards that we got there, we invited people to, to come and experience this relationship with Jesus. And who was there? There was quite a few of us there. I, I don't know about you, I found it quite interesting. You're giving away stuff for free, and people were, for free? Why, why would you give this away for free? No, 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 don't, I don't want this. I don't, I don't want this. I found, I found it really interesting. I prayed for one lady, though. I prayed for a few ladies, um, and 
But one lady, she just burst into tears. Uh, her daughter is pregnant, and she just wanted some prayer for, for her daughter. And as soon as I started praying for her, she just floods of tears. She's like, wow, what, what, have you done? What, what are you doing? I'm just praying to God. The God that loves you, the God that came and visited, visited our, our planet Earth, he's still alive, and he's visiting you now. She's like, what is this? This is the presence of Jesus coming in our midst. I'll t- tell you about another story in a minute. Um, but I'll, actually, I'll tell you about it now. Met this other guy, this Muslim guy, and we were just offering free things, and he refused. He said, I, I can't accept any, anything from Christians, uh, particularly about Easter. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And he spent the next sort of five, or t- five or so minutes just telling me about how... Um, Jesus was just a prophet. Did he really rise from the dead? Was there evidence? And Good Friday, I'm, I, we had a fantastic service. And I'm quite passionate. Normally I, I understand and I listen to people. And I, I was quite brutal with him. And I said, the facts are that Jesus rose from the dead. The facts are, the very facts are. And for me, uh, in, the, in Scripture and uh, other Biblical scholars and non-Christian academics at the time, they, they described this man, Jesus, who did rise from the dead. And, in, and they talked about this 500 witnesses to Jesus being uh, risen from the dead. And I said to him, who would you believe? 500 witnesses at the time, or someone who, was, who described the event six centuries later? Just tell me the facts. Who would you rather believe? Someone who... Tells you, tells you the fact 600 years later, or these 500 witnesses who saw Jesus alive. Um, and the very place that it was easiest to deny Jesus was the very place that Christianity started, in Jerusalem. It would have been easy to start a religion somewhere else, apart from Jerusalem. But the very place that Jesus rose from the dead, dead was, the place that Jesus, was the place that Christianity started. So immediately, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that would be the first, that would be the last place you'd start that religion, because everyone would be able to prove and disprove it. Um, I wish I'd have shown him this video. I saw it, found this video Friday night, and uh, we're going to play. I wish I'd shown it to him. So just describes it a bit more. Dude. Hey, what's up? What you reading? The Bible. You're reading the Bible? Yeah. Dude, why are you reading the Bible? For class? No, I just... Okay, so you're just reading the Bible. You're just sitting here in a coffee shop in the 21st century using state-of-the-art technology to read ancient myths for no reason whatsoever. Well... Tell me something. Are you one of those super-religious people who thinks Jesus actually rose from the dead? Well, I do believe that. You also believe in the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, unicorns, Bigfoot. Ever been abducted by aliens? And do you buy into all those other ancient myths about dying and rising gods invented by primitive nomadic tribes back in the Bronze Age? No. Okay, so what's the difference between Jesus rising from the dead and all those other fairy tales? Here's the difference. My belief in the resurrection of Jesus is rational. It's based on historical facts. (laughs) Facts? What facts? Well, first, Jesus died by crucifixion. Whoa, hold on. We don't even know if Jesus existed. Why should I believe your facts? Well, because the five facts I'm going to give you are backed by so much historical evidence that most professional critical scholars who study the subject accept them as true. That includes skeptical atheist scholars. Okay, 
So Jesus was a guy who actually existed and then got himself killed. So what? That's the first fact. Second, his disciples were convinced that he rose from the dead and appeared to them. Third, Paul, a sworn enemy of the early Christians, suddenly became a Christian. Fourth, Jesus' skeptical brother James also became a Christian. And fifth, the tomb where they put Jesus' body was empty. And those are well-established historical facts. Right, but you can't just leave it there. These facts demand an explanation. Otherwise, you've got a big hole in human history. Okay, here's an explanation. They all lied. It was a conspiracy. The most monumental prank ever perpetrated. His followers stole his corpse from the tomb and then started telling everybody he was alive. That's the conspiracy theory. The problem is it doesn't explain the facts. How do a few spineless fishermen, cringing in fear for their lives, subdue a bunch of well-armed, professional Roman guards, roll away a two-ton stone, steal a body, then hide it from a city swarming with people trying to find it? And why would they do it? The disciples had absolutely nothing to gain by lying about Jesus' resurrection. In fact, they were persecuted. And we have good historical evidence that five of them were martyred because of their claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Apparently not a single one of them ever recanted. People don't willingly die for something they know isn't true. They were there. They knew whether it was true or not. All right, another theory. The disciples thought they saw Jesus alive after he died, but it was just wishful thinking. They were stressed and just kind of hallucinating. The hallucination theory also lacks explanatory power. 500 witnesses saw Jesus at the same time, and the disciples touched him. Psychologists have shown that hallucinations don't work like that, nor does this explain the empty tomb. Okay, look, maybe there's some other explanation, but the bottom line is dead people stay dead. Rising from the dead would be a supernatural event, a miracle, and science has proven that miracles don't happen. Oh, really? When did that happen? I don't know. I just kind of heard it somewhere. Science has not disproven miracles. In fact, that would be impossible. Why? Science deals exclusively with natural phenomena. Physical matter and material processes, right? Uh, yeah. But a miracle, by definition, is not a natural phenomenon. It's supernatural. So? So a supernatural event would lie outside the boundaries of science. It's logically impossible for science to throw out any hypothesis that lies outside its boundaries. Why have I never heard this stuff before? I don't know. Maybe because it's scary? Scary? Yeah. As long as Jesus rising from the dead is just a fairy tale, like Santa Claus and unicorns, it doesn't threaten my little world. But if it's a fact, if he actually did rise from the dead, that's huge. It's a total game changer. And that's why it's so hard to think about it objectively. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Big one. I think there is something for us, as, if, you, if you are uh, a follower of Jesus in the room, there is something for us about being able to, to tell people what the facts are. So we don't just come across as, oh, I, uh, I feel it, I experience it, I know. But we can give, give these factual evidences, have an account for what we believe as well. Uh, in Romans 10, 9, it says... Um, um, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. 
So do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead? And uh, so I think, so I think the Christian, we, we've, we've got a responsibility to be able to make, have an account, be able to talk about some of these big questions. But also I think the responsibility is on the, those people that don't follow Jesus. So with this Muslim, Muslim man that I met, I said, I said to him, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? And he kind of did. Um, but this next question is, the, is where the crux of it is as well. So if you do believe in the resurrection of Jesus, here in Romans it says, what we need to do now is there's a, there's a response to believe in this. And the, what's, what saddens me is the, the scores of Christians or religious people around the world who, who would say yes to that first question, yeah, I believe in the, in the resurrection of Jesus. But the implication is, is next afterwards. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Uh, so if, if I'd met the devil on um, Balaam and he'd walked past with the other people, I could say to him things like, do you believe in the Bible is the word of God? The devil would go, yeah, I, I do. I do believe the Bible is the word of God. Uh, then I would ask the devil, do you believe that do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? He would, he would say yes as well. He believes, he believes those things. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave? The devil would say, yeah, I believe, I believe that too. Then I, then I would say, well, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved? He would say, yeah, come on, what's your point? I, I believe all these things. The last question I'd ask him, are you willing to commit your life to living a good... Uh, one of the questions I could ask them is, would you commit your life to living a good moral life, be involved in church, maybe even one day leaving the church? He would say, yeah, I, I'd love to lead the church. I'd love to, I'd love to do that. Uh, I'd ask him this last question. Are you willing to surrender your life to Jesus' lordship for him to... To be Lord of your life. That's what he would, he would, he would turn away. He would go, go to Poundland or whatever he did. <laughs> and that was the same question I asked. God loves, God loves Poundland. <laughs> that's the same question I asked. These questions I asked this Muslim guy. And he answered yes to virtually all of those. When I asked him, Are you, would you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus? That's where we, we parted companies. And I gave him some, some places to go to research about the resurrection. He'd never heard about uh, these 500 people that had seen Jesus. And he said to me, he said to me, I heard these women saw him, saw Jesus first. I, I heard it was only women that saw Jesus first. And I said, yeah, isn't it amazing that Jesus appeared to women first? And, uh, and again, we had we had a sort of a, <laughs> Interesting conversation about that. Um, but it's this question. Do you, if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then the next question is, you've got to then think about the words that he said, the power that he displayed, and say, okay, throughout human history, there's only been one man that has ever claimed to be, to, to, that has ever been, that has factually risen from the dead. 
And so his words then have extra power. Uh, Good Friday, the crucifixion of God. The crucifixion reveals God's love for us. Uh, In the resurrection, God reveals his power. In the crucifixion, uh, as I've been thinking about this, as the, the crucifixion, we have Jesus wearing a crown of thorns. The resurrection, Jesus wearing a crown of glory. Mm. It's really powerful. These two, these three days are really powerful days in the calendar. Nothing, nothing can, and we've sung about this, nothing can, can stop God's love for you, not even the grave. Death, where is your sting? Not even death can hold back God's love for, for you and I. It's, it's amazing. So then, as Christ, countless Christians, they understand the resurrection of Jesus, but they don't realise that they've got resurrection power within them. Every, according to Scripture, every single one of us has got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Every single one of us. Because all it requires is Romans 10, 10 9. If you, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. That's the only requirement. You don't need to be on any rotors. You don't need to be on any rotors to, to make it to eternal life. You don't need to, to do... It's not about this moral code. It's about believing. It's this internal belief. And that comes out. A bit like last week with the baptisms. These people, these amazing guys and girls, they've made this decision in their, in their hearts to make Jesus their Lord and Saviour. And the baptism was just this outward display of that inner transformation. And uh, that's, what the, that's what the power is. So, as Christians, do we understand the, the resurrection power that lives and hums within us, that resonates in our bones? Do we understand it? Do we experience it? Have we seen it? So a bit like Sarah and, and Laura the other day, that at any moment they can meet a guy with, God can tell them, Nike trainers, Robert, and go up to the man and say, hi, is your name Robert? That's weird. But it's the power, it's the resurrection power. If we also believe that we have the mind of Christ, then that changes things as well, that we have the very thoughts of, thoughts of Christ. Jesus says about himself that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says about himself that he is the resurrection and the life. So other things that he says about, about the kingdom of God now that we experience. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. hand. <clears throat> Just put your hands out as far as you can go. As far as you can go. So when it says the kingdom of God is at hand... How far is that? How far away is the kingdom of God? It's like here. It's around here. Uh, kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. anger. No, joy. <laughs> righteousness, peace, and righteousness, peace, and joy. So, at, at this very in our metron here, we've got righteousness, peace, and joy. Where are we? Okay. Uh, let's let's pray. And what we're going to do. It says that the kingdom of God is not of words, but of power. power. So if we believe that, we can believe at any moment 
God's resurrection power can be displayed. And so what excites me, particularly on Resurrection Sunday, is that I think God wants to display his power. And uh, the same God, same Jesus that showed his power, does it again today. And my, the Muslim friend that I met, I described some of the power that I'd seen and I'd heard about and I'd seen with my own hands and I'd heard from stories of you guys. And uh, that he was perplexed because he, he hadn't ever heard that Jesus, uh, Christians have got Jesus' power humming inside, inside of them. And so um, I, I believe that Jesus wants to display his power this morning. So let's pray. And uh, what we're going to attempt to do is just see what Jesus wants to do. And we all hear everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to be involved. There's no, there's no exclusions here. There's no... Jesus doesn't talk about that. There's no exclusions, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> there's no exclusions. Okay. Let's pray. So release your power, Jesus. some of these confusing words that you said to us. You will do greater works than these. Go heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you receive, now freely give. You can have faith as small as a mustard seed. And you'll say to this mountain, move. And it will be moved. We're just going to collect some thoughts of Jesus that he has for people. So we talk about words of knowledge being our thoughts that we didn't have before, but they're, uh, they're kind of um, catalysts for what God wants to do amongst, amongst people. So uh, think about any physical conditions that people might have that God wants to display his resurrection power in. If you have any, any have any words or pictures or thoughts, just shout them out. Anything that you think that God wants to do this morning. Um, Alison's stepdaughter is um, mm. very sick. She's in hospital with a seizure. Mm. It's Alison, another lady in the church. She she posted yesterday about her niece's step, step, stepdaughter, step granddaughter, Anyone else? Any, anyone got any thoughts, impressions? I've heard 
this thought all morning, just God reminding me of that bit in Revelation where the rider on the white horse and his name is Faithful and True. I feel like someone here just really needs to know um, that God is faithful and he's true and that what he said to you will happen. And just to um, hold on to that, that he is faithful and he's true. That's his name and, and he's, he's faithful and he's going to bring those words to pass. This thought of um, uh, I've had this impression of like, back pain um, the last couple of days, and uh, and as I've come in here, my um, my my back's a bit sore. It kind of it makes me think I didn't have back pain before I came into the room, and now I've got back pain. It kind of makes me think, or oh, maybe there's there's people here with back pain, and so we'd love to love to pray, love to pray for you, particularly uh, lower back. Lumbar? Lumbar? Is that a word? Lumbar? Yeah. Lower, back, is that lower, lower back pain. I'm from South London. Um, so, lower back. So, if anyone, why don't we stand up? And if anyone connects with any of those words, so hope, faith, faithful and true, shame, anyone got any back pain, uh, pray for Alison. Alison, and just put up your hand if any of those words mean anything to you, to anyone. Um, what I'm going to do is just ask you to come, come forward just so that we can um, pray for you here. If anyone's got any back pain, would you mind just grabbing a seat? Healing. 